1: episodes Uh, tonight we are looking through groups E through H which includes uh, of course England Uh, joining me tonight are James
0: good evening fellas
1: Colin hello there and Adam hello hi guys how are you all doing
0: very well thank you.
1: you you just haven't introduced yourself Oh, no, I have. That would help, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. My name's Andy. I, uh, you might have helped me on a couple of episodes now. And uh, as a Scotsman, the only true neutral on this podcast. Um, we'll get straight into this, guys. Uh, I realise that our, our time is precious and we've had a few problems tonight, so let's crack straight on. Uh, Group E, which contains uh, many people's favourite for the, the tournament, Brazil, um, Switzerland, uh, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Um, how are we feeling about this group? Guys, uh, James, I'll maybe come to you first. Um, Brazil, we know, have uh, a rich history in this tournament, uh, have a lot of scars carrying over from 2014, obviously, but seem to have been rounding into to good form, especially the last couple of years. How do you see them uh, doing in this group and perhaps wider?
0: um i think they'll win all their group games at acanta and um i think they'll uh, they're my favorites to win the entire tournament i think uh, i think the current manager tite has done a tremendous job to galvanize the squad and to give them their identity back and to help them after the debacle of the 7-1 defeat against Germany he's done exceptionally well to to forge a real good team spirit and you see in the qualifying campaign when they scored uh, 30 goals and conceded only 3 winning 10 of 12 games in a notoriously tough uh, qualifying group uh, of, of South America going to some very difficult environments and, and winning and winning quite handsomely I think that with his club uh, experience with Corinthians being successful in his own country at club level as well, and all the players buying into his beliefs and his uh, methods, I think they're going to go really, really far and I think, they'll, uh, I think they'll win the World Cup for a sixth time.
1: Okay. Um... Conor, come to you. Neymar is obviously their star man, but has been has been injured quite a lot and obviously has been through some difficulties this season with with Paris Saint-Germain not particularly getting on very well with a lot of his teammates. Um, do Brazil need Neymar to go far in this tournament or do we think that they're kind of a strong enough outfit to, to progress regardless? It's an interesting one,
2: isn't it? Um, Neymar, I, I don't... I don't know what you guys think, but it seems to me a little bit uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo, Mark 2. It's it's all about me. Um, I'm not sure, really. I mean, yeah, he's a key player, but then sometimes I also think that if you've got one standout guy, unless everybody is happy to be subservient to him, then actually it can be sometimes negative. Um, So I'm not entirely sure on that one, but I mean... As, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, and completely agree with what James has said. I mean, this is surely, I mean, this is going to be a cakewalk for Brazil, isn't it? I mean, they're not going to be able to. Not, there's going to be no flip ups I think you're
3: absolutely yeah. right, Colin. Especially what you say about, well, particularly the, what you say about Neymar and, the, and it potentially being a downside. Because if there's one thing that Brazil have as an as a nation and as a squad, it, it is a propensity to get overly emotionally affected by things. And if you look at how they've reacted to Neymar's injury in the last World Cup you could just see that they they can be very fragile
1: The one thing I would say about Neymar possibly going into his tournament still carrying an injury obviously scored this afternoon but apparently a very good goal managed a a full 45 minutes but you look at the strength throughout their squad I mean even goalkeeper Brazil for the first time arguably have world class goalkeepers uh, going into a World Cup tournament, which is something they've struggled with in the past, or you would maybe have to look back as far as, I don't know, 1994 to Taffarel or so on. Um, so a lot of these players playing their trade in, in the Premier League nowadays, uh, do we think that benefits them in terms of this being a, a European tournament?
3: Absolutely, yeah. I, 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 but I, I, well, I think that my points, of I was going to pick apart the squad, um uh, unfortunately completely unsupported by facts because I'd look at the squad and say well you're playing Thiago Silva in in the cent- in the center of defense so maybe he is um way past his best but they kept 15 clean sheets in the last 20 games and yeah. I, I the, uh, the other thing I would say if I was if I wanted to 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 question what why for were the weaknesses would be that where, where's the leadership in this squad like like James said they uh, like Tito uh, Tito made big changes after the 2014 World Cup and they stripped away a lot of the sort of uh, damaged people from from the, uh, the that semi-final experience but yeah. that does give you a leadership vacuum
1: it's, it's just quite odd to see Brazil with a Fred in the team who isn't a complete car horse <laughs> um well, let's quick. We move on to our teams in the group. It perhaps feels a little unfair not to talk through some of these teams. These teams have obviously done very well to qualify as well. Switzerland, in particular, way have done pretty well in recent tournaments. Very often making it out of the group stage, uh, Costa Rica, of course, at the last World Cup, was something of a revelation. And Serbia kind of appeared to be something of a dark horse in this tournament. You know, they've got a lot of good players, um, uh, particularly the likes of uh, Nemanja Matić, of course, who we all know from, from Manchester United, Tadić at Southampton, and the rising star of Serbian football at the moment, is Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Um, how do we think the, the rest of this group is going to go? If you were, if you were putting your neck on the line who do you reckon will be the second team uh, to qualify from this group
3: for me if I was looking at it I'd say um, I think that Switzerland will, will be uh, will, will play as a classic Switzerland team do they'll be very well drilled they'll be organised but they've just lost, they've lost potentially lost Granite Xhaka who's been injured in um, a training camp and their best player is Shaqiri who just got relegated with Stoke um <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, if you're building your team around one player, Shaqiri and Neymar are steps apart, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> I think definitely <if, laughs> much. I think this, this Costa Rica team is is old. It's, we've seen their their one their one trick, and I don't think that uh, this is going to be anywhere near the team that we saw tobia a group in 2014. Uh, I'm very much looking at this Serbia team, as you said. With uh, I think they've got. A blend of experience. They've got exciting players, um, and and form players as well. Like you say, Milinkovic-Savic has had a great season. If you, um, yes, it's the championship. But Mitrovic has been a standout player in that league for yeah. the, for six months, and playing purely to get himself in this World Cup team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, James, uh, I don't know, you, you perhaps have a, have a better knowledge of uh, European football through your travels than, than most. Um, how do you see this going between the likes of uh, Switzerland and Serbia? And also, if, you've, if you feel you've got anything to say about Costa Rica? Uh,
0: my prediction to finish second would be Switzerland. If you look at their spine, they've got a, a, a decent keeper in Jan Sommer. Uh, Lichtensteiner, who plays for Juventus, has got tremendous leadership skills, and then I can understand uh, Adam's point with uh, Shakiri, but I don't think Shakiri will have Stoke on his mind when he's going to the national when he's going to the national team. And the last reports I heard about Granit Xhaka was it was just a bruised knee, and they're not yeah. they're not ruling ruling him out of it. And when you look at the teams that some of the uh, Swiss players play for in uh, Schalke and Munch and even, even the centre back they've got, Akanji who's recently signed for Dortmund. There, there's something about them, and um, I think that um, I think Switzerland will go through second. Uh, Serbia do indeed have very good players, but I, I just think with the experience of Switzerland, I think that will win through. And I completely agree with Adam as well. Costa Rica did a tremendous job to finish top in a in a very difficult qualifying group in the last World Cup, but with the players being four years older. Um, I think that it may be a bridge too far for them.
1: Yeah. Uh, Colin, yeah, I, I don't know if you echo the, the points of the guys or if you, you want to throw possibly a
2: dark horse into the... Yeah, I, you... I, I, I do. I've got a sort of... of um, it's not a conspiracy theory, but um, I think with Group E, and I think you could also probably say the same with Group F, there's always a room for a little bit of manipulation in the group stage when you've got one big fish. And yeah. in Group B, that big fish is Brazil. And then their first game, Switzerland. Now, let's say Serbia get off to a flying start, beat Costa Rica. We expect, you know, Brazil to be comfortable against all opponents. Mm-hmm. But my thinking is, would there not be a situation where in the final games, Brazil already potentially qualified. They don't really need to work that hard and their last group game is against Serbia. So potentially that could work in Serbia's because if Brazil ain't trying that much or potentially Brazil fancy maybe even I'm just think keep things here and feel free to shoot me down. Maybe they think, oh right, we'll finish that you know, that might be better for us, you know, depending on who are gonna get them next round um, and, it, and i don't think it'd be unlike brazil to you know twist things a little bit like that um, yeah i mean
1: but that- it, 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 I, yeah it certainly seems that there's an opportunity there in that last game for brazil to you know perhaps rest a few of their star players if you want to say that i mean you're right it's not the first time we've seen this kind of uh uh, third game shenanigans, if you want to call it that. Um, so yeah, the, the, there's definitely the possibility for Serbia if they can if they can get off to that quick start as you said against Costa Rica for them to to possibly upset the apple cart a little. Um,
3: I, think, yeah. I think Colin's right. I ser- it's certainly not at their disadvantage to be playing Brazil last. Yeah. And,
2: sure. and the second game, second group game is. Serbia versus Switzerland. I mean, I would say if Serbia win that, Switzerland have had it, no matter what they get in the other, other games.
1: Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, you, you talked about the fact that you think Switzerland will come out of this group in second. Do you think that the lack of a, a kind of prolific frontman does does work against them in this tournament?
0: Um. Possibly, but I think with the creativity they've got in midfield, with uh, the likes of uh, Shakiri and Ber- uh, Berami who's also been about, about a bit, I think they'll be so well drilled and they'll be able to get over the line. And you also think as well with uh, their striker uh, Sverovic, he plays for Benfica. And uh, damage as well has been around and has scored goals in the Bundesliga, so I think they will be able to get across the line. But it's also a valid point that Collins just brought up: of you, you never know in the in the final group games if teams are already qualified, if they're going to rest certain players, or or even have an eye on the uh, on the last sixteen when there's still a final group match to be played.
1: Absolutely. Um so I think we're all kind of in general agreement then that Brazil will feel the comfortable come out of this group top. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so we move on to group F, uh, which contains Germany, Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. Um I don't know about you guys, we talk about groups of death in this tournament, and the obvious one that comes to mind is Group B with Spain and Portugal, Group D has got Argentina and Croatia, but in a lot of ways when you look at how their qualifying campaigns went, this group has the potential itself to be almost like a group of death or some some good solid teams in this one, and uh, it feels like Germany, although they are favourites, this is the kind of group where you could see them possibly dropping a couple of points uh, Adam I'll come to you first on this how do you see this group panning out
3: um, I see it as a completely clearly see it completely differently to you oh, really? um, I just see it as a group of quite uninteresting I think that you've got Germany who will in my opinion Germany will walk this group then and then the other three teams will battle it it out will probably be quite uninspired and will be the be immediately knocked
1: out in the round of 16. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, do you, so you see Germany coming out of this group with maximum points, yeah. or do you see this being another case of you know they'll have it wrapped up by the third game and and maybe look to rest a few players. Um, I don't think Germany need to rest
3: a few players, do they? <laughs> and if they do, I don't know what I don't know what that, that means for anyone else. I mean, if you're you're resting Grotzka or a good and bringing in Kadira, I mean, you've,
1: you've not yeah, got too many yeah. problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, I know that you've you've uh, championed uh, Sweden uh, a few times uh, on a podcast and and some of the the group chats that we've had. Um, <laughs> how do you see them getting on in this group do you have them down as the second
0: I do have them down as second um, I was at the, um, the final qualifying game uh, in Amsterdam when they lost to uh, the Netherlands but also in their um, in their qualifying campaign they won at home uh, to France they, uh, um, they drew at home to the Netherlands when they actually should have won and there was definitely something about them and uh, they've got a tremendous crea- creative player in Emil Forsberg who plays for uh, Leipzig and although he's had a, a bit of a strange season, I still rate Victor Lindelof. And I think that the team ethic they have and, um, and the, the players they have as well, I, I think they'll go through second, but uh, I think it's highly likely that should they go through, they may well be knocked out in the last 16. Hold on, you're
3: t- so you're trying to tell us that a team that put, took one point away from Holland mm-hmm. is at, who aren't
0: no. going to the World Cup? No, I was also, they also beat France at home. Which is no mean feat. I mean, yes, they were very lucky, but still, but, but, still, one, but still, one point from Holland. No, no. My main, my main point was winning at home against France when there was when that was completely unexpected, and 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 going being uh, being a team that were quite rugged and quite together, and um, I did, I can see them going through to the last sixteen. Uh,
1: Colin, Leeds you night though. <laughs> Are there some Leeds United players in
2: here? Well, Pontus Janssen. Pontus Janssen for Sweden. Yeah.
1: Is that ah. a Leeds United player? Is that a one? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah uh, how do you feel about this group in general? I mean, Germany are obviously clear favourites for this. Uh, feels like while their defence might be getting a little on the old side for the first time in a few years, in Timo Werner they have a, a, a real out and out goal scorer. Um, are, are Germany threat. I, I said this this is a really daft question. I appreciate, it, but are, are Germany a threat to win this entire tournament, or do you think it's maybe a transitional tournament for them?
2: Oh, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I, I am... Come on, Colin, think about it. Our, my... uh, think about
3: it. Are Germany current holders and perennial tournament team <laughs> a good chance to win the World Cup? Oh, well, of
2: course. Wow, no, come they're, they're not my pick <laughs> but um, I mean I, I, I agree with like, like a multitude of sentiments on you know with, with what you guys have already said about this I mean I do think Germany will just walk this one uh, um, out the only thing I'd sort of like throw in, in is that if I was either Mexico, Sweden or Korea, or Korea what I would do is just set out not to get beat um, and if that happens, and, and it does invariably happen in World Cups, we, we think, you know, it's, it's one of the tournament of football, and quite frankly, a lot of the Cups stage pretty dreadful, actually. Uh, um, and if you've got, you know, I don't know, Mexico, Sweden, both playing each other, both trying not to concede, then I, I think that could throw up a few... Potential surprises, um, but I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, you say career and the outsiders, but I
1: wouldn't want to choose particularly between Mexico and Sweden. It's uh, yeah, when I say group of death guys, I should point out I mean, I'm not suggesting for a minute that Germany won't get through this group, but I do feel that there's potential there, especially if the kind of do do have this wrapped up by the third game they might look to take it a little easier I think there's possibilities there I think Mexico um I mean uh, the players that we know from them are the players who have been around for a while now and you could argue are a little old so they've got a couple of guys in like Lozano who's, who's come off the back of a, a really good season I think he plays at uh, PSV is that correct James?
0: Yeah, that is correct and he's had a tremendous debut season with goals and assists and um helping PSV to win their 24th Eredivisie title. and um, But he can be hot-headed at times. He has received a few red cards this season when things weren't going his way or games were quite tight, but it can't be understated how much of an impact he's had in this division, especially for PSV. And, um, he's, he's definitely got something about him in terms of he doesn't need asking twice to put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, He could very well be a talisman for Mexico in this World Cup.
3: I think it's so like you look prepared. at that. Oh, yeah. You look at that Mexico team, and they've got some players, but then they've also still got 39-year-old Rafael Marquez. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. The one thing, just quickly, just, that seems just, to be... sorry, just quickly, while we were trying to pick yeah. at some of the seams of, seams of Germany, I suppose yeah. the the closest you've got to try and look at them and say that they might have some problems is again when you talk about that leadership. They might. Well, they've definitely Joachim Lowe's definitely got a decision about what he's going to do with Manuel Neuer.
1: And yeah, this is a team that just lost 2 1 to Austria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Noyer's a funny one. I mean, he's been out for most of the season and yet has been brought straight back in as the number one. Um, that's that seems odd to me. That suggests that's either just an attempt to get a match fit or that suggests a lack of faith in their other goalkeepers. Um, um, which is
3: strange because there are other goalkeepers to Sturgeon who plays who plays for Barcelona yeah. and and is and in terms of having a goalkeeper who plays a brand, is it's not like going from um a, your expansive sweeper keeper to someone who's gonna stay on their line. You like you could still play the same football with him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so I think we're all in general agreement there that Germany will come out of that group fairly comfortably. I'm gonna go against you, James. I just think Mexico have a tendency to pull out when they need to in the international tournaments. And so why I'm gonna take them just to to next second. But um yeah outside the germany there that's that's basically anybody's second place um completely agree agree and if you're not going to bring zlatan i'm not interested (laughs) yeah zlatan's too busy uh, living it up in los angeles (laughs) i can't imagine he's going to miss playing in moscow and so on too much um right next group is obviously group g which of course contains england and i'm aware that you know that we've got a number of Englishmen on the panel, most of the listeners are probably English, (laughs) but so what we'll do is I'll actually skip that for now and we'll go on to Group H and we'll come back and we'll spend a little more time on on Group G, Um, especially as there's some extra interest in there for for you Adam, uh, ex-Everton manager uh now in charge of Belgium
3: oh, exciting times
1: <laughs> but yeah we'll move on to Group H quickly uh Poland Senegal Colombia Japan um yeah this is an this is an interesting group in that uh, you look it it seems quite obvious who the two teams you would expect to go through are I guess the the intrigue there comes from which team finishes first um Colombia have a tendency to blow hot and cold to these tournaments performed very well in 2014, probably should have beat Brazil but didn't um, have done it a huge amount since then and Poland will always give you a chance as long as Lewandowski's uh, scoring goals, so uh, Colin, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, uh, an interesting is uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it's the weakest group in it, but I mean, you, you know, you look at that and there's not a huge amount of to inspire you, yeah, now I guess
2: you could say. You no, know, you could also say there's uh, four fairly even match teams, so it might end up being the most exciting group. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, uh, this. If, if you were a betting man, you know this would be the one to a stake Well, clear up, wouldn't you? The, the, they're all about the same on paper, um, but and I, I might shock you here. Um, this group contains one of my dark horses. Not to win the tournament, but to surprise a few people. Um, and that is Japan. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't think most people would see them qualifying out of the group, but uh, I do. Uh, um, and uh, I, I, can't, I can't hand on heart say that with any particular reason. I just feel that Japan are a solid outfit. Um, I think there's a lot of room for I don't know what you call it conflict, error, craziness in Colombia and the Senegal camps. Um, Poland, are, you know, they're, they're okay. Um, but yeah, I just got a feeling that um, Japan's going to sneak one of the top two places. Um, yeah. That's just my thoughts. No, I mean, it's certainly a group where, you know, there is the
1: possibility for a team that you might not expect to to make those later stages to get through. Um, They've won their qualification group. I mean, certainly, you know, the kind of Asian groups aren't as easy to get through as they used to be. Um, Yeah, James, I'll come to you next. I don't know how you feel about college prediction in Japan or whether you see this heading in a, a different direction.
0: Um, I think it's an interesting prediction from Colin and I'll certainly give it ears and, and respect his uh, his prediction but my personal take is that Colombia will finish first and uh, Poland will finish second I think an important aspect of Colombia uh, this World Cup the same as the last one is the manager they have in Jose Be- uh, Beckerman a manager that, that managed Argentina um, and, uh, and has a, an awful lot of experience. And they have some very good players as well, Colombia. It's not just about James uh, Rodriguez. They've also got um, uh, Zapato, who plays for Milan, and, um, and uh, Espinoza, who plays for... Um, uh, I was just looking. And also uh, Oscar Morillo, plays for... Um, uh, Particularly in Mexico, so it's a real, it's a real, mi- it's a real mix. And Sergio Santiago Arias, who plays for PSV Eindhoven, but I think the, the manager is key to uh, is key to Colombia. And with Poland as well, it's it's not just about Lewandowski. They've got a, a good manager in Navalka and they've got a tremendous centre half in Camille Glick who plays for Monaco, who I think is extremely underrated. I mean, this is a man who's got experience playing in Serie A with uh, Torino, as well as his own country and he's a real rough uh, top tub, uh, thumping defender who doesn't take any prisoners but knows how to defend properly so uh, my my prediction is for Colombia to finish first and Poland to finish second who
3: have they got in
0: goal James um, who uh, Co- uh, Colombia yeah as far as I'm aware Espina will be in goal Yeah. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I—I
1: can't, can't help feel that I question slightly overdid
0: No, I—I being an Arsenal supporter, I have—it's just my personal opinion, but I've been, um, especially in the Europa League games this season, I was quite pleased that Ospina got the nod above check. I mean, I I, mean I, I, that's I,
3: that's that's very fake praise, isn't
0: it? No, but not not just <laughs> that, but also as well, he's got has got over eighty caps for his country. And you know, you think of the experience of a of a South American qualifying campaign, going to places like Lima and La Paz and uh, and Caracas, and having to play in these environments and get results. I think that can only that can only help. And I I, I think with the team ethic they've got, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to set the uh, tournament alight, but nobody expected them to get to the quarterfinals four years ago. And the majority of that squad is still together with players that are playing virtually all over the world. Then I think the ingredient of their manager is going to help them as well.
3: Uh, I, I'm going to put it out there and say that I think that this Colombia team is massively overrated. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I think that this is this is a classic thing you have in a World Cup where they happen every four years and people forget that four years is a long time in football and they look back and think, "What did Colombia do last time?" Yeah. And, and so forget was, that. Radomar Falcao's
1: got knees made out of plasticine <laughs> To be fair, I mean, he's he's had quite the resurgence since his uh, his awful spell in England. Uh, admittedly, I appreciate. I'll qualify this now by pointing out that it is in France where that it does it seem hugely difficult to score goals if you're a forward and perhaps being a little unfair. There I mean, Edison
3: Cavani does it, and he misses three and two. two he misses like nearly three and two chances. <laughs>
1: Um
3: i just so, say, say that because of, I think I think this, yeah. this Senegal team is being slept on.
1: So funnily enough, I was watching uh ESPN FC earlier on today and Shaka has well picked them not only to make the quarterfinals but to put England out on their way to the quarterfinals or semi finals possibly. Um so yeah, it's that so in what regard do you think they're being swept on? Is this, is it just a stronger team than we're giving them credit for? Is it I think because so. they're in a relatively weak group? Or? I
3: think I think I think it's a stronger team than being credit given credit for. I think they've got um, pace and power up front. I think any team that has addressed a game in midfield is going to be well organised and not going to have a, not going to be caught out too often. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is. I think that classically, European punditry sleeps on on African teams.
1: Yeah, I mean it's certainly been the case and also you you know the the one player that perhaps uh, will go into this tournament with the most confident, Sadio Mane, who's come off the back of a, a fairly spectacular season, obviously been overshadowed slightly. But other wing. <laughs> yeah. Um but he's been he's been outstanding. Um I'm actually with you. I think Senegal have the potential to nick uh one of these two places. Um I'm actually a big fan of Kiyate, uh the West Ham midfielder. I think he's solid, much like gay I think, you know, he'll he'll keep that midfield well organised. Uh, Mane has been outstanding all season, Keita Baldi's had a pretty good season for Monaco. Um, they do have another Stoke City player in there, <laughs> and uh, Mamadou Biram Diouf. Um, but, yeah, I think Senegal might just nick second place here. I'm slightly with you in the Colombia regard. I think they're, they're possibly being rated too much on what they did four years ago. Um, James Rodriguez hasn't had the happiest four years since then. Obviously, a fairly ill-fated spell at, at Real Madrid. Um, I think they're lacking a little up front. Um, if Falcao does get injured, there's not much there. That's um, exactly.
3: That's exactly. My, my reservations come at both ends of the pitch. That so I think they're lacking up front, and they've got David of speed and goal.
1: Yeah, um, we haven't talked much about Poland in this regard. We've kind of talked round them. Uh, Robert Lewandowski is obviously their star player. You imagine that Poland will probably only go as far as as he takes them. But are we all?
2: kind of suggesting then that we think he will take them past the first round I think so I
0: agree I'm not sure yeah. Yeah, do, so uh, you, obviously you think Japan will nick a place
1: uh, Colin Is there another one of the other three teams that you're looking at in particular or is that just the case of you think it's, it's too evenly matched to call
2: I think it's very evenly matched Um and I don't know, a dodgy decision here or there might might really count. Um, if I throw my my hat in the ring, I'd probably go Senegal.
1: Uh, yeah, I think. For, yeah, I'd, and I honestly, from a neutral standpoint, I think that would be would be great for the tournament. Not to suggest for a moment that that Poland and Colombia don't have great fans and so on, but I mean, for me, tournaments need some of these kind of shock troops to go through. and so I would at uh, Senegal and Japan I would be I would be more than happy with it at this point. But um so that's group H and that leaves us now with the, the group that I guess it creates most interest for the for the panel, as I said, and the, the listeners. And that's group G which contains Belgium, Panama, Tunisia and of course England. Um We'll come on to England last because obviously we we'll want to spend a bit of time talking through, you know, Southgate's uh, decisions and so on. But as a hint to that earlier, Adam, we'll maybe kick off. with Belgium and will come to you first on <laughs> the mind their their coach. Um, Belgium often flattered to deceive at these tournaments. Martinez has made some somewhat controversial squad choices for this. Obviously, Raja N'Golan has been omitted a lot of people have said that that was at the expense of uh, Marwan Fellaini however I would like to point out also that Adnan Yanezai has somehow made it into this team um, I guess I'll, I'll come to you first and say in terms of Belgium
0: uh,
1: is their squad good enough to overcome their coach? Uh,
3: yes I, I think that in, in international football where you've got to play over seven games to to win a tournament I think that you can totally have situations where the coach can be taken out of the equation and if the players can can manage themselves a la a sort of um, not international football but sort of Chelsea uh, when they were under Di Matteo then then yeah they they can absolutely get get beyond the limitations I think that they've just got they've got talent in abundance everywhere haven't they
1: uh, yeah I mean I'm looking at their squad just now I mean you start with Courtois and goal you look at their central defence which is likely to be Alderweireld and uh, at this point you would assume Yang Vertonghen bearing in mind uh, Vincent Company's kind of injury scare um midfield I mean Kevin De Bruyne was arguably the best player in the Premier League not named Mo Salah <laughs> uh, and then up front you've got Romelu Lukaku who admittedly has been in and out of the United side through no fault of his own and Mishi Batshuayi who seems to have been almost reborn Yeah,
3: uh, and when you put that alongside having Eden Hazard Moussa Dembele <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean, Dries Mertens and then And then uh, the people could talk of derision about 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 Fellaini, but in a must-win game when you need an option, he's a man who who delivers far more often than than lets you down. When
1: normally we'd expect a player to let you down in that situation. Yeah, absolutely, Uh, James. I'll come to you next. Obviously, with Holland not qualifying, uh, perhaps your your. Oligies is towards your Benelux neighbours. Um, I mean, again, ultra talented team, but very often struggle to put it together at the uh, tournament uh, stage. How do you see this going for for Belgium?
0: Um, I think they'll top the group, and um, I think um, I think with Nanglean's decision to uh, announce his international retirement straight after not being. Um, announced in the squad, and what was interesting as well is shortly afterwards the Belgian press took it upon themselves to ask the uh, existing squad members about their about the decision to admit Nangalan. And almost every single one of them said that it was disbelief that he wasn't involved. And um, I I can fully understand that point. But I think uh, Adam touched on it as well with uh, Denise Mertens, who uh, is a tremendous player and has had a very good season uh, for Napoli. They have a a young talent as well in um, Jordi Thielamont, who plays for Monaco and had uh, a previous with Anderlecht. And uh, he's a a very good player and and there's... um, I think Thomas Mounier as well, the right back is uh, is extremely consistent. So I can see um, I can see Belgium topping topping the group, but as to how far they'll go, they'll go in a tournament, I think Adam made a very good point about um, about players taking it upon themselves. And I think if uh, if Belgium harbour ambitions to really go far in this tournament, then they may well have to do that.
1: Yeah. Uh... Colin, so many of these players based in the Premier League now, so we're fairly familiar with them all. Um, Romelu Lukaku is a player who on his day is just about unplayable. Unfortunately, that day doesn't come quite as often as we would hope. Um, how do you see this tournament going, particularly for, for him and, and some of the other Premier League contingent? Well, I think on
2: Lukaku... Um, I, th- I think you're absolutely right uh, he, he goes a little bit hot and cold doesn't he um, yeah but I I think we also have to remember that I think when you look at World Cup winning a lot of the goals seems that to that do well the goals just don't come from the striker yeah the, the, the days of you know Lineker getting the golden boot and things like that I think are, are, are in the past um, and, I, and I just think you know when you look at people like Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne who as far as I'm concerned are the best two midfielders in the Premier League forget Salah right yeah um, it's them two as far as I'm concerned um, I think Belgium are going to do very very well in this tournament I can tell you why if you want but it's yeah I'm, I mean I'm damn
1: happy to hear that at this point yeah I'm Curious because this this seems like the first team you've you've properly kind of stuck your name beside. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear as to to why you have such confidence and their ability in this tournament.
2: Well, first of all, they're in good group. Yeah, um, and <laughs> I think we'll come on to that. You know, uh, when we discuss uh, the England team. But um, I think if you're going to be a successful world cup squad you've got to it's less about individuals and more about the whole team package As for, I, i'd split belgium into like three tiers well but you've got um like the the old guard if you like the sort of the the people who've been there done it won the t-shirt the the likes of vincent company okay um not just their for like what they bring on a pitch but also what they bring to the whole the team and the ethos i think then you've got your um the second tier like the guy who have got you know fair few cap, been here before but still you know the the you know under the age of 30 um they've, they've still this is like this could be their world cup to shine and then i think as james alluded to um you've got this third tier which is quite exciting because you've got this sort of youth group um who are fresh and hungry and, and haven't been at this sort of stage before. And I think you just throw that into the mix. I can't see too many weaknesses with that squad. And I don't understand why people are looking at it and taking it a lot more seriously. Because I think I can't really see any gaping holes there, personally.
1: Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think you're right to point out, you know, that kind of younger group that's in there, in particular uh, a young guy that they've got listed as a defender here, but who's actually spent most of his career in midfield uh, Leander Donker, who's been linked to a couple of English clubs now and has been absolutely outstanding for Anderlecht for a couple of seasons now, especially in their kind of European run last season where I think they reached the quarter-finals of the uh, Europa League. Um, there's, there's real potential here that if they could get this group on the one I mean, is it is it too much to say that if this group gets it all together on the pitch, that they're arguably the most talented
2: team in the tournament? Uh, well, Yeah, I, well, I think they're the most rounded pack. I would say, um, okay, they're not. They're more of like a Ford Mondeo than a, a sort of like a BMW 3 series do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah where when where, where needs be you know they can really deliver but the teams that win the World Cup, I don't think Belgium will be exciting by you know I think if you're looking for exciting teams look elsewhere but the team that wins the World Cup is a team that doesn't get beat and I think it's going to Belgium ain't going to get battering I don't think from anybody certainly not in that group um So, yeah, that that's my. And I also think that perhaps in the past, I think maybe a reason why this is why um people are sort of perhaps poo in Belgium is because they were so highly rated at, at previous tournaments. This is their time. This is their time. Very, very like The golden generation for England. I think that was too soon. And
1: yeah. I think
2: they've learned a lot from that because they got the hands burn.
1: You're right,
3: because in
2: 2006 we were a rubbish, but in 2010,
3: we were ready. <laughs> well, I know. Um... What, I would, what I would say about Belgium is that I think that if you want to look for where their weaknesses is, is, that they're perennial sort of not bottlers, but they don't have a winning mentality. They don't have that in the group. They've never had that <clears throat> as, a, as a country for a long time. They haven't got. A, they haven't had that bought in with a manager. And uh, how many of their players there do you look at? I think they've who have won lots of things. They've got Courtois. They've got company. They've got De Bruyne and they've got Eden Hazard.
1: Apart from
0: that,
1: Uh, yeah, I see where you come from in that. I think that can be an issue, but I don't know. I just,
3: I just think that when it's already something that's perennially in the group and something you know, it's, it's something you're you're well known for. Yeah, and you haven't developed that. Like you look at Spain. Spain had that, but then. They, they developed this squad that was full of players who won everything at Barcelona and Real Madrid and, and you look at them now sort of 10 years later from Euro 2008.
1: Yeah. Um...
2: just I, I mean, my, my thinking is that I just think that Roberto Martinez, for for all his faults, I mean, at the end of the day, he did last three seasons at Everton so he was doing something right compared to the the lunatics they've had in the asylum recently. But um, well, I'm, I'm just basically pointing the finger at Big Sam there. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, but there's a, a lot of t-
0: countries out there. I think the squads. It's like if one particular position a player gets
2: injured, or Ricardo or something like that, it's a case of shit. Who do we put in? You know, and I think you can, you can say that about England as well. It's like oh, well, we can put him in. But it's a bit of a gamble. We don't really know. I think there's there's no sort of risky. Or, do you know what I mean? I think that they can sort of like just cover each other a little bit. Um, I don't know. I've just got to. just think it's a solid setup that I just think could go far. Uh, uh, no,
1: that's 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 fair. I think you're right I think the previous kind of hyping up of them was maybe a little too soon um, and this feels like if it, it feels like let's put it this way it feels like if they don't do it this time then yeah. that, that might be their kind of window closing as well and perhaps that'll be just the motivation they need um, I have a confession to make here guys I know very little about either Panama or Tunisia um, but I mean is it safe to say that, you know, these two, are, this is going to sound really unfair if there are any Panamanians or Tunisians listening, I apologise in advance, but are they the cannon fodder of the group? Or do we no. foresee either of them possibly springing an upset? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I don't think they're cannon fodder at all, personally. I think they'll give, um, I think they'll give all their opponents a game. The current manager of Panama is the manager that got Ecuador to the last 16 of the 2006 World Cup. And I alluded, it, I alluded to it on a previous man on the pod, post uh, podcast. Was, um, after the draw was made in, uh, in de- uh, last December and um, they went to all the uh, managers to gauge reaction, the Tunisian manager was absolutely cock-a-hoop at drawing England and his quotes were I'm absolutely delighted to have drawn England why? because he firmly believes that they're going to beat them um, England always with African nations recently especially with Algeria in 2010 where everybody thought we was going to walk all over them and it was a very very tedious game where we didn't play very well um, I think as well um you know, with a Tunisian side, when we last played them back in 98, everyone thought that we'll absolutely steamroll of them. It only ended up as a 2-0 win, which was difficult at times, uh, given the circumstances in the heat. Um, I think that Tunisia and Panama will give all their opponents a, uh, a real good game. And I'm, I'm particularly interested in the opening game for England as to how they get on, because it's very important that they win the opening game. And um, and also with Tunisia, with their uh, with their, the there's there's something about them with the players they have, and and they have a real, they have a real togetherness, and I think they have self belief as well. And I think sorry,
3: isn't that not huge naivety though? Because what is the manager of Tunisia supposed to say other than I really fancy at least one of these teams because I'm planning on qualifying? I like, think
0: I think, you, it, I you think
3: can't it, roll over and say, Oh no, we're in trouble. This is a nightmare. They're both much better than us. We're going to lose. I mean.
0: No, I think I think, it's quite, I think it's quite telling, Alan, that he chose to pick England. I mean, by the same token, he could have said the same about Belgium.
3: But, could um, have done. So it's fifty-fifty.
0: Could have done. But no, I think he's I think he's done that deliberately. And I think if you look at the the Tunisian manager, he's managed in Germany at club level. And I, I think there's um, I think England will go through second in this group, but they, I think they have to be wary as well. I mean, so I've said it on the pod before. Yes, England beat Nigeria yesterday, which is which is fine and that's great. But if you look at the the Maghreb triangle in Africa you've got Morocco you've got Algeria and you've got Tunisia they all have similar characteristics in terms of um, qualities in terms of endurance in terms of how they play surely it would have been a lot better to have a friendly game against Morocco or even Algeria to prepare for a a potential scenario playing uh, Tunisia in the opening game rather than and Nigeria, who have, or yes, it's the same continent, but there's different characteristics as well. So I think, um, I think that England have to be wary, and I, my prediction is that they'll go through second behind Belgium in this group.
3: I'm more in I'm line with you, Andy. I think that, that these teams will be kind of for the other two. I think that you, we're talk, we, we, we play in a global game now, and I think you can tell by the, the quality of that squad is that, yes, the, there's still players can could be hidden, but how many of those Tunisia players play for top sides?
1: Yeah, I must admit, I'm looking at that squad. The only name that sprung out to me was um, uh, Wabi Kazri, who some English fans might know from his time at Sunderland. Um, He's since gone on to kind of forge a decent path for himself in France. Um, Beyond that, yeah, I mean, you look at the clubs that most of them are playing for, even the ones who are playing in Europe. You know, you've got Bilal Mosny, who's playing for Dundee United. Uh, after a, a, having had previously had the disastrous spell at, at Rangers, mm-hmm. which involved him getting in fights more often than actually making tackles, <laughs> um, you look at uh, you look at Mohamed Wel arby who's playing for Tours in France, who, to be fair, uh, haven't been terrible, but aren't also you know one of the big names. It's it's difficult to look at that team. I agree with James in terms of the one thing that th- there are no. I don't want to say weak teams in this tournament because they're clearly weak teams, but they're also well-organised nowadays that I think they will shut up shop. I think, you know, teams will have to do something decent to break through them. Um, I, and Jesse, I know, who, who obviously appears on the, the Extra Time podcast, is a big fan of Panama, I believe. Um, she's, she's hinted as much that she believes they've got the pace certainly a trouble uh, particularly England we know that they're, they're not exactly blessed in that regard at the back but yeah it's just it's difficult to see how these two are going to be able to compete with teams full of much more established uh, internationals and you know kind of club players uh, Colin uh, again is yeah. I don't know do you believe uh, the same that they're probably just there to, to make up the numbers, or, or do you also see this being a case of one possibly springing a surprise?
2: Um, I, I agree with what James is saying. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be very positive about and Um, they're going to go in there as underdogs, mm-hmm. but um, I know that Panama played. Um, I think it was their last game against Northern Ireland um, in a friendly and um, it was like, <coughs> like a party atmosphere. I think it's the first time Panama have ever qualified for World Cup. Yes. As, um, yeah. And they're going crazy about this. You know, this is like huge to them. Uh, um, so I think so. It's, it's all good and well I think to say oh well there's so many players who play in the Champions League, England have got, you know, all these Premier League players. But when it comes to the big, big stage, at the end of the day, it's just 11 guys against 11 guys, and they're going to be so pumped. It's unbelievable. And I do completely understand exactly what James has said when the Tunisian manager is saying, yeah, we can beat England. Because the thing is, let's face it, I don't think Tunisia will beat Belgium, but... Like, if it can't be Belgium, you go for the second weakest, which is England, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and use that as the sort of the focal point. Um, sorry, sorry, the got the is, second strongest. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, second strongest, I <laughs> should say, on paper. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, quite, quite correct. Um, and, you know, people have short memories. England have been here before, but these are the. the Yeah, but yeah, but
3: Colin, the games that James, the games that James brought up, one of them we won and was twenty years ago, and the other one was eight years ago, and none of those players are playing in this game. It's irrelevant.
2: Right. Okay. Well, then, I mean, I I don't know. Are we changing the conversation now, Andy, to about the strength of the England team? Because I think that will also. Played Actually, my yeah, I, I think we should, have gone. I'll Maybe
1: come to you first on this. See, the, the way I look at it is that I, I feel that in the past, many of the best international teams are the ones who who are able to send out the same eleven every week, or every not every week, every game, every tournament, so on. I, I look at this England team, and for me, they are able to do that, but they're able to do that for the wrong reasons because to me once you get past that kind of first 13, 14 players there's not a player there that I would think or oh, I would rather start him than him is it a case that Gareth Southgate is able to play the same team because he literally has no other options
2: Oof. I mean where to start with that Andy I mean I think you've been very kind to England that' saying that they've got 13 good um I mean, Adam, Adam knows me, and normally I am Team England. Yeah. I like, this is our year, you know, spirit of 66 and all that. I, I've had a bit of a road to Damascus moment, and honestly, this is the weakest England side that's ever turned up at a World Cup. It's not a good side. The players are not good, yeah? It's, the, the manager is not good. I mean I think that because somebody hasn't been caught with their pants down or drinking pints of wine and everything's been sort of quite steady and boring and dull which is what Gareth Southgate is everyone seems to think oh they've got this huge master plan it's like well no I don't I don't buy it at all the I, you look at some of the players in the single team and they're uh, bang app um, there, there isn't a single world there isn't a single world-class player in. Um, and it's uh, lack of experience we've got a goalkeeper that we're going to chuck in there Jordan Pickford who I think is you know I hope really prosperous, but I think it's a little bit unfair to chuck him in there after less than a handful of games Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think there is just there's so much potential for carnage here I think it's the absolute opposite of what, what I was saying about Belgium um, I, I'm not Saying that, yeah, we, you know, we had Lampard, Gerard and you, you know the Rooney and the, you know the, the in the good old days, which weren't very good and they didn't do very well. I, I think that the argument that because these guys are young and fresh and they have, have no fear, I don't think that means they're going to play any better in a World Cup. I think that just means they've got more potential to get absolutely back okay. I mean, can I, I agree mean, now? Yeah, go on, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll,
3: I'll get off my per now, sorry. <laughs> I've I I I forgotten all the points there, because I want to systematically disagree with each one of them one by one. Go on, go on. I, I think that I completely agree with what Andy said about um, when you look at good teams in tournaments and being able to play, or, and to be drilled and to be able to play like club sides and to have a system and identity, and you, you look back to, to Conte's Italy as a prime example of that, and... I would say that that is something that's what you've got this this team approaching. I think Gareth Southgate has picked um, the right 23 maybe not the best 23 players I think that I don't I'm not completely sure what, why this myth of um, England not having a pace at the back comes from because from what I remember like in the whoever plays that wide apart from fabian Delve is is going to be rapid and if we're playing carl walker as a center back that's going to add pace there john stones is no slouch i do get that whoever plays in that third center back isn't going to be blessed with pace but there's two center backs there who can definitely cover for them um and to say that we don't have a world-class player when we've got harry kane up as our center forward is just laughable
2: I just saw that Harry Kane was the one I was going to come on. Yeah, talk. How many goals has uh, Harry Kane scored in uh, um, FIFA tournaments? FIFA or UEFA tournaments? Uh, I, 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 I guess the answer to that is probably zero. zero. Yeah, it is zero. But how many it's games scored? scored in a major tournament? Okay, yeah, that's so fair. This play- point is, it's like how can he be world class when he's never even scored a goal on the world stage i mean but that's an example of how can you, you take that argument one step
3: further and you've got how can messi be the best player in the world if he hasn't won the world cup it's laughable it's a team sport it,
1: yeah i have to confess i come down on the say that i can yeah, I have to confess, I've down on the, the side of Harry Kane being world-class purely because as much as he's not done it in, um, at international level and the big tournaments, I mean, it's, it's not that easy still to score 30 a season in the Premier League, certainly not in consecutive seasons. Um, he yeah, has looked comfortable in the Champions League I think uh, I recall the the game against Juventus I thought he played very well in that against some world class defenders um, I agree that he needs to show up at this tournament uh, my uh, abiding memory of England at the World Cup in 2014 was Harry Kane taking every corner kick yeah. when he should have been in the box Um but
3: that comes but,
1: down to the manager and yeah it's... absolutely that that was that and again that's perhaps where i think you can look at england in this tournament and say that's where their major problem is um well, yeah, as manager. Gate, I, yeah i think southgate has, has done a decent job in terms of forging some kind of identity for england in terms of you know switching to the three five two but it, to me it just I'm not convinced that late in games when he needs to make the right changes, that he's the guy to do that.
0: I fully agree um, Andy, that was the point I was going to make, um, I was going to say about the managerial experience. When you look at the managers involved in this tournament that have all got loads and loads of experience at club level, Managing uh, clubs on a, on a regular basis, I believe. Southgate has only managed Middlesbrough, and I think they were relegated. And and game management, knowing when to make that sub, knowing when to make that change. I think um, I think far too much emphasis has been put on the formation. I mean, looking f- um, looking from afar as I do, I've heard more about the um, the free at the back than what I have of, about potential players to pick for a squad. Uh, the points I made uh, regarding the, um, the African teams that we've played yes they were a long time ago but I was just trying to make the point that England I believe uh, may well be likely to struggle against yet another another African team due to the uh, characteristics that they have and I think as well with Southgate when you look at the, the midfielders I think there's only five proper midfielders I mean Sterling is mainly used as a a uh, for, uh, forward striker going on, um, playing on the wing, but I think the inexperience of Southgate, especially in in knockout tournament football, may uh, may come back to bite us in the backside. And I think um, I think it was a safe appointment from the FA, but when you compare that to other countries and and how they've gone about their business in, in selecting. The manager they want like for example the Brazil have chosen Tite, uh, the Champ is manager of France Lowe has been in charge of Germany for many many years they're, they're picking these managers because they've got an awful lot of experience and in, in, in they, in they know how to build a team and how to build, um, build a setup to go on to gain success and I, I don't believe that Southgate has those qualities to be honest
3: do you think is so, isn't isn't Deschamps widely considered to be a bit of a clown in, in France it, already they have his replacements lined up ready to go expecting him to fail
0: I, I think I think it depends on who you speak to to be honest Adam I think they reached the final of Euro 2016 i when he started his managerial when he yeah at home yes but there's still it was still a lot of pressure to go on to go as far as they did although it may well have been expected but when you look at um, the shop when he started his managerial career it was under uh, a very it was a Monaco side that were were drifting and he managed to get them to a Euro, uh, to a Champions League final going to Juventus when they were relegated to I think Serie C and and starting to lay the foundations for them to get back up. And I think with uh, I don't disagree with your points about him being laughed at in some quarters, but I think that depends who you speak to. And I think um, I think with um, I think he must have something about him. And I, I just think with the lack of experience with with Southgate, I think he's 49 years old. And maybe I'm a bit of an old romanticist, but a, a national team job is for an older, elder statesman, if you like. I mean, if you look at the manager of Uruguay, he's 71 years old. I think Aragonés when he started uh, Spain on the road to success was uh, was quite um, I think he was in his 60s at the time or, or, or... Got
3: two words for you Roy Hodgson
0: <laughs> Yeah no I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with those points Adam at all it's just I think um I think experience is key and uh, I think uh, I think Southgate at tournament level you know if England are behind against Belgium and they need to 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 get a positive result, is he going to know about a formation change? Is he going to entertain a, a different tactic? And these things, these finer details, can be the difference between going through to the last 16 or going through to a potential quarterfinal or, or going home. To be honest.
3: I actually think that the, the way he's pl- the decision to play Carl Walker as the right centre back does make us tactically flexible. I think it gives him the option to switch to a, a back four, and especially uh, uh, particularly if he's playing either Delph or Young in the left wing back spot. So, I think he does have those changes. I think as for the other changes in terms of of um, if chasing the game, I think the decisions are made for him. But I think that some of the players he has on the bench, in, uh, particularly in Jamie Vardy and Marcus Rashford, are. Perfect impact players.
2: But I, I, if I just interject there, Adam, sorry. But I mean, he, herein lies a problem is that because I do think Tardy's going to be a bench player and he'll go with Sterling uh, um, in that sort, sort of more forward role. Now, what, what happens if England have a couple of sticky games um, and then having to come into the final game which is against Belgium isn't it I think um having to get a result what, what does I, Southgate do stick, I think stick with the land um, yeah or change it all
3: yeah. no I think he sticks with it I think this is a uh, you're look at, you're giving him stick but I think that Southgate is manager of his convictions he's he's stuck by his thing he hasn't, he hasn't pissed about and named a a 26 man squad or a 32 man squad we haven't got any sort of um, drama over are we going to pick pick um sure are we going to take it anyone else yeah, he's yeah. made his decisions he's picked his 23 we've got our players here I think he knows what he's doing he, this is this is a culmination of, of two years of work for him not his time to rip it all up and start from
2: scratch but he's not it, It's in the World Cup I would argue like, it's not a case of paint by numbers it's not like oh well you know like championship manager overall this guy's 97 this guy's on 72. So don't pick him. You have got to pick the ones with the highest averages. I think, frankly, the guy's a lunatic for not having Vardy in the first team, because Vardy is one of the most paciest strikers in this whole tournament. Whether you think he's great or not, he would terrify Tunisia and Panama. He would rip them a new arsehole. and he won't. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. I would.
3: He wouldn't because if if you're if we're the bigger team, they're going to defend so deep. Where is the space for Jamie Vardy in that game?
1: It's because it's certainly not in behind their back line I'd, I'd, If I could just interject Ooh. here, I'd, I personally think that Vardy probably does suit better coming off the bench in this case. Not necessarily because I think he he couldn't start; he absolutely could. Uh, there was, a, you know, he started for a Premier League-winning team. You know, it, it, he was a big part of that regardless of how you think they they got to that title, they did. He played exceptionally well during that. I think he's making the right decision, we assume, going with Sterling, just because I think Sterling uh, offers a bit more movement up front. Fabi's very direct. I think Sterling at least offers the opportunity to kind of peel off to either wing. Um, I'm looking at this squad just now, and I'm comparing it to Belgium's. And I'm going to defend Gareth Southgate Southgate, slightly here. I look at Belgium's midfield, and James, this comes back to the point you made about them only taking a certain number of midfielders. Belgium's midfield options... Yannick Carrasco, Kevin De Bruyne, Nasser Chadley, okay, uh, Moussa Dembele, Marilyn Fellaini, Eden Hazard, Thorgan Hazard, Adnan Janazai, uh, Dries Mertens, who I actually think probably plays more up front than midfield, but regardless, Yuri Taylorman's Axel Fitzel. And then you look at England's, and you see it's Jordan Henderson, Eric Dyer, Derek, Dele Jesse Lingard, Ashley Young, who will actually probably play left wing-back, Fabian Delph and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, is, is, is Southgate kind of bound by the fact that England just don't have a lot of good options at the moment? I don't, you know, it's I, I personally don't think Southgate is a, a great coach, I, I think he'll probably be exposed the minute they come up against a decent team in this tournament. But it's difficult for him to prove otherwise when the options that he's got available to him are, are so
0: poor. There's...
3: Are they poor? Sorry, because
1: those players
0: all played. In, apart from Loftus Cheek, all of those midfield
3: players played in the Champions League. Yeah,
2: that, that's a weak argument. That is not. That, I don't. I don't buy that argument at all.
0: I think um, sorry. just because you played the Champions League doesn't mean that you, you just
2: chuck them into a team together and it. it Works just because Jamie Vardy wasn't in the Champions League doesn't mean he's worthy of a starting place. <laughs> no, Jamie Vardy's not worthy of a starting of... place because he's not as good as Harry Kane. No, I, I'm not arguing for um, Vardy to take Harry Kane's place, I'm arguing that it should be you know, that the more attacking lineup should be Kane and Vardy rather than Kane and Stirling. That, that's my that's how I would go into it. Um, but, hey, you know, it's this Gareth Southgate's decision. I mean, I've got sympathy with him because I, I think, as you say, he hasn't got a massive pool to pick from, has he? Um, it, it, you know, I don't disagree with the team's picked. I don't disagree with the players. I mean, I think that's the best, much of a muchness, the best he could do, really. Um, I, I just think, you know, you were comparing midfields there, and I was always... I was all laughing do you know what I mean I mean some of the guys in the Belgian midfield versus some of the names that you mentioned in the England midfield and I was just thinking my god do you know what I mean there's such a discrepancy Um, and that's why I'm sort of on the negative for for England
0: I think there's one name in the midfield sense that has been completely overlooked which I can't still quite believe has not been capped and that's uh, Michael Brighton this is a player that played a key part in Leicester's title-winning uh, side, providing goals and providing uh, uh, assists. And when he went on to play Champions League football, putting the frighteners up teams like uh, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, and uh, and scoring goals in the Champions League level as well. And it's been completely overlooked. And maybe uh, Southgate doesn't want to play with a winger. But every time I watch Old Brighton play. He always seems to be able to find a, a telling pass that can create, a, go on to create a, a quick counter attack. You know, and for someone who who's done it at the highest level domestically and also in the Champions League to have provided such a good impression on both levels to not even be capped. I mean, I mean, he was capped at under twenty level and under twenty one level, but to not even have one cap is a sad indictment. And I, th- I think as well, I suppose Southgate has done the best he he's, he could with the squad that he's picked but omitting a player like Albright and you know you think outside the box a little bit And he made a very good point about the the Belgian midfield and, and they've all got different qualities and characteristics that could be called upon at a certain point not just Aiden Hazard but also the pace of Jordi Telemans and the, the trickery of Carrasco and they, they could be they could be vital in, in terms of, of turning the tide of specific games in a, in a tight knockout game for example
1: I'm, I'm wary of the fact that we're, we're kind of approaching uh, over an hour on this yeah, uh, podcast I think right. <laughs> and, um, I mean the, the um, thing is the I think, thing is, I think we've exactly been podcasting too we long that, when we we we're could talking do about an hour. Paul
2: Brighton's. We could do a whole hour on England just on its own, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because there's there's, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I mean, I I would just like to ask, well, everybody on the pod, you know, before we round up perhaps on this group, is how, you know, as England's sort of, you know, so close to our hearts, isn't it, Andy? Um, (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER
3: How far do we think England
2: will
1: go? Oh, careful, Colin! You're going to get to the ire of Ross and our secret predictions. Well, um, well, I think it's, it's a fair question. I think people want to know what we think, the listeners. Yeah, I think, I think we would only incur the ire of Ross on that one. If any I think England are going to win the tournament. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, count right, counts on the table. Uh, uh, Not necessarily how far do we think they go. Are we all confident that England are going to make it out of the group stage? No. Yeah.
0: I think I'll finish second.
1: Okay. Um, Do we think... So, you say you're not confident they'll get past the group stage, uh, Colin. Does that mean that you think they won't, or do you think that they'll make very hard work of it?
2: Um, I hope they qualify in, the top, in second place, making hard work of it. But my a head tells me that they won't qualify past group, group stage. They won't wow. get out of group stage. And on that bombshell, uh, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll possibly back, back,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes, back to the studio. Right. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll maybe call it there guys um, we've got a lot of uh, stuff still coming up on the World Cup as has as been alluded to here we've got our secret predictions so I won't at this point ask uh, who we all think is going to win the tournament but I think I, I have confidence that this is going to be a good tournament I, I don't know how you guys feel about that obviously World Cups have been somewhat hit and miss recently seems like for every one good tournament we get a a fairly average tournament afterwards do we think there's enough intrigue and, and talent in this tournament that we
2: think it'll be a good World Cup
0: yes I think it'll be a World Cup full of surprises
2: yeah I completely concur with that James That's. I think it will be exactly that I think the the gap a little bit like the Premier League the gap between the, the top and the, the rest of the world I think we have been underestimating African countries and Asian countries, perhaps, um, is, is getting tighter. I don't think it's... And I think you can see this in the betting nowadays. You know, if you look at the betting, of them, I think gone are the days of it. It's either going to be Brazil or Germany. Or, you know, I think there's so many teams in the mix now. I think it's going to be really open. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it
1: adam how are you feeling about the tournament as a whole you expecting it's like 60 odd
3: games of football i'm gonna have a great
1: time <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah my wife's gonna hate me by then. um right thanks for that guys that's been really good uh, that's covered off groups e through h uh, as i said the the rest of the crew covered a through d and you can hear that on the feed at the moment i believe um guys where could people find you on social media if they want to take you to task on any of your, your things James will come to you first
0: at James Rowe NL uh,
1: Adam um, Adam I 101 and Colin
2: Cass
1: 707 uh, I've been Andy you can find me at site Tyson and as always you can find the whole crew at man on the post uh, that's been great we'll be bringing you lots of stuff over Uh, the World Cup uh, we're aiming I think for daily podcasts aren't we guys I think that's my understanding yeah excellent so that's been uh, the podcast thanks again to the guys thanks for all of you for listening and always remember to keep your man on the post